Welcome, Dr. James Beckett here, Sports Card Insights, here with distinguished guest Steve Grad. We're going to talk about his hobby journey, his origin story. In fact, I'm going to listen. I know a bunch of it, but I don't know all of it. And uh, many of you, I think, will be entertained as I will. But first, thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, and Beckett Authentication Services. Nice. Uh, ComC.com, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auction, mm. Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Steve Grad, welcome to the show. You're a well-known name Thank in you. this industry and delighted that you are under the inside the Beckett Media tent. I am too. It's been a lot of fun. It's been very interesting. That The journey, though, took a lot longer than just getting there. And that's a name that has really been synonymous in my whole journey, too. And I started, I don't know, eight years old collecting cards, nine years old. And I, I remember the spark. It was about 1980, 81. And I believe Dick Cavett used to have a show on HBO during the early days. And uh, you probably remember that. And uh, they featured baseball card guides. Oh, there's a guide for that. Interesting. Huh. You could look and see what stuff's worth and bam, like that. And I'd gone to my first baseball card show, Hillside Holiday Inn, just outside Chicago, Western suburbs. And uh, they used to host regular shows. Uh, the the uh, Chicagoland uh, Collector Association show? Or? Yeah, which I did. I belonged to that as well for years as a kid growing up. And uh, the spark kind of started there. And uh, oddly enough, and, and this is the weirdest story of them all of them, and the, the people who gave me the spark to really get into this and jump into it. And Dan Knoll, who recently passed away, Dan was a lifetime uh, friend of mine, grew up across the street from Dan. But the funny thing is that we had moved into Orland Park, had no idea Dan Knoll lived across the street. We go to the Hillside Holiday and it was my brother, myself, my grandmother who took us. And there's Dan Knoll saying, don't you guys live across the street from me? <laughs> so that started a lifetime friendship. And from there, Dan introduced me really to the business and getting to know the industry and how things operate and how people operate. And I was very fortunate to grow up in that. And as the more I grew up, the more I started getting interested in autographs. Obviously, I started chasing autographs at a really young age go to the ballpark with just a you know piece of paper or something in my hands. And I would go ask for players to sign stuff. So um, it evolved over that. And through the years, I started maturing, getting a little older. I was introduced to people like Bill Mastro and, and Josh Evans and all these big industry people, Marshall Fogo and, and Dave Bushing at the time and, and Daryl O'Mary and Tony Koki and, and guys that I got to know and friends of mine. And I started growing throughout the hobby and also started chasing autographs seriously. And well, up to this point, Steve, were you 50-50 cards and autographs or mainly cards? I mean, no, I did. I, my first little company was called S&B, Steve and Bob, S&B Baseball Card Company. That was our thing. We love baseball cards. And we used to set up at shows. I was a teenager. I'd set up at shows in the Chicagoland area and do them all the time. So I had that hobby experience. I was meeting more people, getting to know people. The Pat Quinns of the world, I used to go to Pat's store, which was one of the first uh, in the United States. Amazing store. Yeah, it was. And I remember Pat and Don Steinbeck, who's passed away now, Don is. But I would say, hey, guys, you know that display in the window, that's faded. I'm 11, 12-year-old kid. They're like, you need to get out of here. Go buy some cards. So I was always fascinated by that. And I remember buying cards there and going there. I was really young. And, and the thing that was convenient was close to one of my aunt's house on the south side of Chicago. I started throughout this whole journey with baseball cards. And eventually, I evolved into the autograph part of it. And then the autograph part of it brought me into this huge world where I could see what's going on. And I set up at my first national as a, just an autograph dealer in 1993. And that was in Chicago. And I set up with Mark Theodicus. We shared a table and Mark uh, works at Collect Auctions now. And Mark's been in the hobby forever. Also another lifetime friend of mine. And I did that show and I saw what I could do and the money I could make and the connections I can make and which I did. And I was really blessed to be part of that. Obviously, as part of my journey. I had to get an education, went to college, started learning about radio and worked in the Chicago radio industry for about seven years. In about 98, 99, I'd had enough of it. I was working at a syndicated sports place called One-on-One -on -One Sports, which turned to Sporting News Radio. I don't even know what it is now, but I used to host shows, anchor, report, and I moved on to buying and selling just myself. And as um, a doctor, it's a tough business. It's a tough racket. 
And about 2001, I went to work at Master Auctions and became part of their operation. 2002. Let me stop you there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, 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 you know, Don uh, was a friend of mine. He was. Uh, was because he's yeah. deceased. I really wanted to attribute to him. Bill Mastro was a friend. Those guys, that was the preeminent auction. It was house at that time. I mean, but it, it started oddly enough before Bill and Don really started. They started that with with Dan Knoll in his warehouse in Orland Park, and they would run auctions there. I and mean, I would be there a lot during. And I was around those guys and uh, became friends with Don right before he died because Don didn't like me as a kid. We just never. When I was a kid, he didn't get along with me too well. And Don was an interesting guy. He was outspoken. He was bombastic. I never saw a guy that could eat four entrees at dinner, but he could do it. And uh, <laughs> he gave the appearance of being impatient, but he was like a lovable curmudgeon. At least he was. To me. Because I, I guess I was somewhat of a contemporary of his, but extremely knowledgeable. Oh man, he, he knew so much. He knew so much. So I was lucky enough to work there, and I met you know a lot of the guys in the industry. I was very fortunate. Bill would take me to shows. I'd go to the nationals just for a few years. But then, in about end of two thousand one, I was recruited by PSA DNA to come work for them. And I started a journey there where I went to Pennsylvania. I worked a few years with Jim Spence. Jim's deal was up in two thousand five. So in two thousand four, I moved out to California to run the operation. And when Jim left, he formed his own company, which he still has to this day. And I stayed and ran PSA's operation in California to 2016, in September. It was a great journey. I will tell you, it's hard to explain to people. People say to you, oh man, you see all these autographs. And I've seen a lot. I've traveled a lot. I go to these auction houses sometimes where you spend four or five days and you look at maybe 10, 15, 20,000 autographs. And after a while, all the stuff just starts getting programmed in here. It's almost automatic where you see something and it just clicks in your head. And that's kind of what it turned into throughout my career. And that's the part of being an authenticator at a higher level. Someone like, you know, Jim Spence, the guys on my team, Brian Sabrero, Charlie Price, the guys I work with, this stuff has to be pre-programmed in your head. And I've learned that through the years. And I've also learned how to study autographs better by being a chaser. I didn't see Melot and Jimmy Fox and Satchel Page and Cy Young. I didn't, I never saw those guys sign autographs in person, but I know how they signed. I could tell by looking at the pressure they exerted. I could tell by looking at the shading, by the slant. I could tell how they held a pen. So all those things you learn by studying autographs through the years. And I've been fortunate enough to do that. And I guess that's where, you know, my journey has led me through this authentication. 2000, to be honest, my deal was up at PSA in 2016. They didn't have much interest in renewing me at a higher term because I thought I should be making more money after making them a ton of money. And they thought different and that was fine. And an opportunity presented itself. The Beckett name was there. They needed an authentication company. They saw what was going on in the marketplace and they saw a great chance to jump into it. And they brought my team on and specifically Brian Sabrero and myself went out and we made the deal and it took a long time to do it. I will tell you that it looked, I, th this is a funny story and I won't take long with it. The 2016 national was in Atlantic city, still working for PSA. The day before the national word got around that we were leaving, that the guys at PSA DNA were departing. And to be honest with you, it hadn't really cracked because we kept it silent. We were asked to, which we did. And it started making its rounds. And it was interesting. Beckett was all ears because previously to that, they weren't really too interested and they didn't really know what went into it, the, the people there. But once we hit the national, they wanted to have a meeting and figure things out and get rolling on it. And so we started really in earnest at the national, trying to figure things out with them and trying to figure out a game plan. And then honestly, by October, we were out there getting everything settled in 2016. It's almost four years now. And I will tell you the one thing that above all, okay, that attracted me to Beckett was the Beckett name because there's no name in the industry that's stronger, more solid, more well-known, more trusted. And that's a name that every single person throughout the business has been brought up with. They know the Beckett name, period, whether it's for card grading or whatnot. But the Beckett name was even before all of that. It was before the grading companies and the authentication companies. And that's what attracted me to it because that name was like the gold standard. It stood above all. So I knew if I was associated with that name, we would have nothing but success. So to me, that's where the journey led me. And I never thought it would be there. I, I, people randomly 
sometimes say, what do you do for a living? Well, I work at this company called Beckett Authentication and or Beckett. And you mean like the magazines that used to have Bo Jackson and Michael Jordan and people know that. They know that magazine and that brand is so solid and so entrenched in our business that I knew and my team knew that there was no other option for us than to be associated with that. You know, I'm trying to figure out how I can cut you off from this this <laughs> praise. Uh, you're going a little over the top because Sorry basically the brand is, it's uh, we live in a culture that's what have you done lately? And so the brand yeah. is something that can be tarnished and it can be polished and it can be improved. And when, but, but like you say, you, when you're in the public eye and you're a known brand, you've really got to take it seriously. And so you're an excellent example of somebody Thank that you. came in, hit the ground running, brought your expertise and integrity to what is a kind of a tough market because people can mess up in you, in your position, people can mess up through dishonesty or incompetence. Absolutely. And, and the public right. doesn't know the difference. All they know is somebody said this was good or bad. And it, it clearly is an opinion, but I trust your opinion. And I think most people do. Doesn't mean you're infallible but it means you're pretty close. Well, Brooks Robinson, Ozzy Smith, they were fantastic fielding players when they played the best at their positions, maybe Omar Vizcal, but they would make an error or mistake from time to time. So as long as you're willing to admit you make mistakes from time to time, you're willing to go back and look at those mistakes and correct on them. And the most important part of it is learning from the mistakes you make. Exactly. I don't see anything wrong with that. And that's what my goal's always been. That I, I would never sit here and profess perfection because it just doesn't exist. At- Me either. I just think uh, all the years of doing price guides, I wasn't striving to be 99.9% accurate. I was striving to be 100%. But you still know that even you can't be such a perfectionist that you keep polishing and never release a book or a magazine. You've got to put it out there. If you've done, and I had a, Rich Klein was one of the amazing proofreaders that come in behind and did a lot of the work as well. And so we, we didn't let much get by. When you brought up Brooks Robinson, I thought you were going to give him as an example of bad penmanship. <laughs> he has this slanty kind of thing that it's ugly. getting old now. He's getting old now. But through it all, though, are you still a card collector? Or are you more of an autograph guy? Or you, you know, you know what's really interesting about that? You? It's interesting. That That's really interesting. Uh, the card stuff I got away from. And then, because I collect the card sets, the autographs, and I would get them signed, but then I sold all that stuff about 2002. I just parted ways with it, but I've gotten way back into it with the non-sport stuff. So I have, uh, I do autographs with that stuff, mostly Star Wars, Star Trek stuff. I have almost the entire 77, 80, and 83, the Star Wars, the three runs, Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi signed by everybody. And I'm working on the old Star Trek stuff, though it's really tough because there's so many deceased people, but I'm still putting stuff together with that. And I really thoroughly, and Indiana Jones, that's the other one. And not a lot of people do that stuff in the values. You would be just shocked at what, you know, what do you think a Harrison Ford signed tops 1977 goes for? 500 bucks? No, they're about $1,500 in a Beckett's lab. So they go for pretty good. Uh-huh. 500 if it doesn't, if it's not okay. <laughs> not so- <laughs> 1500 Pete says it's good. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But well, yeah, that's, that's legit. I mean, if, if you run across an autograph, you're not really sure. Third-party authentication and uh, is is important and is here to stay. It is. Um, and, uh, and autographs are here to stay. I, I they really are. And let, let me tell you an interesting thing. And I don't even know if you realize this. A lot of people don't. During COVID now, it's we, we've been shut out from shows. And shows were like the the backbone of our business. We get out to shows, you meet people, you do authentication, they bring you stuff, they get signed at the shows as well. But we haven't had any shows. That's over with right now. But what we're doing a lot is the witness signing. And that is a whole other ballpark that I'm just amazed by. And we've probably witnessed, I would say in the last four months, five months, 
400, 500 signings, maybe even more. And we have a team of guys throughout the country that are going witness stuff. It's changed the the whole industry. And to be quite honest, and I, and I think you'd be pretty proud of this. In 2015, 16, we'd hit all-time highs of PSA. During the quarters where we were running, uh, we were annually, annually pacing to do about 5.2 million a year, roughly, at PSA. Beckett's, Beckett's there now. And uh, Beckett Authentication's there. And I can't believe it. It's not even four years. And we're shattering any kind of records we've set here in the small time. But again, I go back to having that name brand and that confidence. And people see that. When people see a Beckett sticker on the jersey, Witness jersey is a great example. Roger Staubach, Witness jersey. They see that Beckett sticker, people have confidence in it. So it makes a big difference. And we're doing so much of that stuff that it just blows me away. Uh, sports, entertainment stuff, music, artists, entertainers, you name it, we're out there uh, witnessing all these signings. So it's really a fun time. Our time is up for today, Steve, but I'll just say I, I have so much confidence in uh, your services that I have a submission there right now, and Ooh, I am yeah. hopefully uh, going to get back. When I submit cards uh, to get authenticated that are autographed, because I used to be heavy into autographs, I get 99% of them back is good. But the 1% that's bad, I can't say that you're wrong. I didn't witness it myself. I got generally bought collections in a, in a big group. So appreciate what you do. Look forward to getting back with you again. You've got a lot more to your story that we didn't get into, but maybe we'll do that another time. So thanks, to. listeners. I uh, uh, hope you enjoyed uh, being with Steve as I did, and we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in-